Go ahead and open up your Bibles. Take out something that you can take notes with this morning. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. We're going to be there at some point this morning. Sam mentioned our corporate fast that is happening on Wednesday, and I was supposed to announce that last week, and I didn't, so that's why you're finding out about it now, and it's already on Wednesday. But I really want to encourage you to jump in. We are taking this time between Easter and Pentecost Sunday to do this series, Come Holy Spirit, and that is really just a prayer over this season. We just want to open up our lives and say, Lord, would you come? Would you come on us and come in us, Holy Spirit? One of the ways we want to make space for that is by having these days of fasting and prayer. We're going to have two of these, uh, one this Wednesday, and then towards the end of May, we're going to have another one. I really want to encourage you to jump in, and if fasting is new for you, there's a lot we could say, but you can do it. You can cut some food out and make space to pray for these 24 hours from Tuesday dinner. Have, have dinner on Tuesday. Have dinner on Wednesday. During the day Wednesday, let's make extra space to simply pray, come Holy Spirit. Every time you feel hungry, you remind Oh, Lord, I'm hungry for you to come, Holy Spirit. We can do that for 24 hours. We're going to have early morning prayer here at 5.30 um, on Wednesday morning. We'll have a Jesus hour here in this room at noon for you to come to during the lunch hour. And then we'll all be together 6.30 to 8 in this room Wednesday night. So I would really encourage us all to jump in in fasting. Be at the prayer times as you're able to on Wednesday. And let's let this be our corporate prayer in this season. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Last week, we started our series, Come Holy Spirit, uh, talking about who is the Holy Spirit. We said he is God. That's the truth. He has always been God. We believe in the Holy Spirit, not because we are uh, charismatics or Pentecostal or Protestants or Catholics or Western or anything else. We believe in the Holy Spirit because we are Christians. We believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, and we believe in the Holy Spirit. This week we're doing part two, and the more I was working on writing this sermon, the more I got fed up with writing this sermon and just wanted to read you the Bible. So that's pretty much what we're going to do almost the whole time. And sorry, I'm not sorry. So would you stand for the reading of the word of God? And you're going to be standing for a little bit. We're going to read a handful of things. I had you turn to Acts chapter 1 because we are going to get there in just a minute. But we're going to read a few other things before we get there. Matthew chapter 3 verse 1. In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. 
I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keep them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I, and now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. John chapter 16, verse 5. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, 
you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. You can turn your page. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound, like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us is in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and, pros- Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said they were all filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all you who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit. And they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes. The great and magnificent day. And it will come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Part two is just simply titled, Fill Us. Though we pray, come Holy Spirit, fill us. That is our prayer, Lord. More than a sermon title, that's our prayer. Let us receive it and learn from you. Teach us to pray. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and take a seat. I know I let you sit down, but I'm not done with the Bible yet. (laughs) Acts 4, verse 8. Then Peter 
filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Acts 4.31 And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Acts 6.3 Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we shall appoint to this duty. Acts chapter 7, verse 55. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Acts chapter 9, verse 17. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 11, verse 24. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Acts chapter 13, verse 9. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. Acts chapter 13, verse 52. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but it appears that there is no biblical Christian life without being filled with the Holy Spirit. John prepared the way for Jesus, and he said that Jesus would baptize us with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus then promised us that he would baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that it was better for us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit than it is to have him here in the flesh. Jesus said that we shouldn't go anywhere without being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that the only way that I have power to be what he's called me to be is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then the church was birthed, was birthed by, and has always been built by Christians living lives filled with the Holy Spirit. Fill us. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, not to give us certain experiences or goosebumps or titles or microphones. Come and fill us. Fill us with yourself for yourself. Why are we baptized in the Holy Spirit? Why are we filled with God? Why is it? Why? Why did the Father so love the world that he sent his only Son? So that the Son could tell us, after his death, after his resurrection, wait for the promise. What was all that? This isn't, we're not done yet with the promise? Wait for the promise. Why? Why? Why, why is it that God 
doesn't just want us to get to heaven someday. He wants to fill us with himself right now. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 and 8 speak to us about this. And the first thing that we learn in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, is something that is clearly not the reason why God is filling us with himself. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. God doesn't fill us with himself so that we can know everything we want to know, apparently. That's frustrating. <laughs> he doesn't fill us with himself so that we can, con we can concern ourselves that are still only his things to be concerned with. We aren't baptized in the Holy Spirit to know the seasons and times that the Father has fixed by his own authority. We're not baptized in the Holy Spirit to be know-it-alls. And actually, if we want to get even more particular about what exactly Jesus is explicitly telling us that is not the reason that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, this is relevant these days. It is not so that we can fortune tell about geographical nations or who's going to be elected some political office. And even more specifically, it's not so that we can understand all the times and seasons about what Jesus might be doing in his kingdom, even specifically as it pertains to a specific geographical nation of Israel at a given time. He says, this stuff's not for you. These nations... You, we heard some talk in the last few years about some things that apparently Jesus said, that's not why I came to tell you things. Let's get focused on what, what did he come to fill us for? All of that, Jesus says, is not for you. Jesus, again, verse 8, he answers a question they didn't ask. I'm just so grateful for the grace of God. That he has so much grace for us in our asking of the wrong questions. He's not like, well, go figure out the right question to ask, and then I'll come back. And then you come back. He's like, let me just answer the question you should have asked. Let me tell you what you don't think you need to know, but it's actually what you do need to know. And I'm going to ignore you asking about the thing you need to know, which you, it's just not for you. Jesus says, all of that is not for you, but here's what you do need to know. Straight from the mouth of the risen Jesus. If he needed us to know why he was filling us with himself, now would be a good time to make it crystal clear. This is a good time. This is prime time. All of that that you're worried about, it's not for you. Here's what you do need to know. What you do need to know is I will send another. The Father will send the helper. We will make our home with you. And do not leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father because you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire because, because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the why that you need to know. You will receive the Holy Spirit for this reason, so that you will receive power, so that you can be my witnesses. When we are baptized, covered in, immersed by the Holy Spirit, he gives us power to be Jesus' witnesses. 
So if we ever get lost in sort of the church talk about filling, let's zoom out from all of that and just look at what Jesus said. We don't need to worry about all these things that aren't for us. He just says it clearly. I will fill you with the Holy Spirit because you do need power because you need to be my witnesses. Witnesses do two things. What does it mean to be Jesus' witnesses? Witnesses do two things. Number one, a witness experiences something. To be a witness, you have to see something or hear something or know something. Am I right? Nobody wants an eyewitness who didn't see anything with his own eyes. That doesn't count. Just because you had something to say doesn't mean we should all listen to it and call yourself a witness. Witnesses experience something. No one needs a first-hand account from someone who doesn't have a first-hand account of anything. Witnesses experience something. And the Holy Spirit is God. And just like Jesus told us, when he comes, he reveals Jesus to us. He reminds us of Jesus. He doesn't speak on his own accord, but he takes all that is Jesus's that was given to him by the Father, and he makes it known to us. Why are we filled with the Holy Spirit? We are filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can live a life experiencing Jesus. Experiencing him, seeing him, hearing him, knowing him, a life witnessing Jesus. Watching Jesus by the Holy Spirit, we live a life. We experience a life lived as adopted sons participating with God and bringing his kingdom and doing his will. This is why God wants to fill you with himself so that you can be his witness, so that you can be a witness of Jesus. The second thing witnesses do is they testify to what they have witnessed. A bystander can witness something, but to be a witness, he must testify to what he witnessed. Nobody wants a witness who won't talk. Doesn't do anybody any good. No one has time for an eyewitness who won't testify. Nobody has time for somebody who says, yeah, I heard him say what you're all asking about, but I'm not going to tell you. Yeah, I've seen him, but I'm not going to tell you what he looked like. I'm not going to tell you what I saw. Nobody has time for that. A life baptized in the Holy Spirit isn't just a life where you witness Jesus, but a life where you are a witness to Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm doing this so that you can be my witnesses, so that you can see me, hear me, know me, experience me, and so that you can testify to me, so that you can make me known, make known what you've seen, make known what you've heard, make known my voice, and do it in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And Acts 2 shows us he meant it. We got Parthians and Medes and Elamites and everybody. So Jesus is filling you with the Holy Spirit so you can be his witness 
in your neighborhood, in your family, around your friends, around your coworkers, around the nations of the earth, wherever you are, wherever you go, whoever you're with, the Holy Spirit fills you so that in every one of those places, around every one of those people, in every single one of those settings and situations and circumstances, you can see Jesus. You can hear Jesus. You can experience Jesus. And you can tell others about what he's doing. You can tell others and make known what he's saying. You can invite them in to the kingdom that he's bringing. You can demonstrate for them his will that he wants done. This is why Jesus is baptizing you in the Holy Spirit. Similarly to the disciples in Acts chapter 1 verses 6 and 7, we ask a lot of unnecessary questions when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit. How much of the Holy Spirit does one receive at salvation? Is there another experience? How much do we get at that other experience if we didn't get as much as we needed at the salvation experience? How much of the Holy Spirit do we have now? How much of the Holy Spirit can we have now? Do I have enough? Do you think I have enough? I don't know if you have enough. Are you saying I have to have more? Do I have to have a certain experience so that you and I both know I had that experience? What counts? And how do I know? Do I have to pray in tongues? What if I didn't fall down when somebody prayed for me? This denomination says that. But the one I grew up in says this. And I saw a book that had that to say. And a sermon by a preacher who said this, who I respect, but then another preacher I respect said the other thing. (laughs) These aren't stupid questions. They are understandable questions. But that still doesn't make them necessary questions. It was understandable what the, Jesus, what the disciples were asking Jesus in Acts chapter 1. Totally understandable. Not a stupid question, but apparently unnecessary. It was apparently unnecessary because Jesus clearly didn't feel the need to answer it. Instead of giving them the answers they wanted, he gave them the answer that they needed. We have so many questions A lot of them are good questions. Some of them sometimes don't matter too much. And we can get a little bit lost and distracted by the unknowns surrounding peripheral questions. Can anybody in church say amen? Amen. We can get a little lost in our questions that we think are the most necessary questions. And we think that they're necessary because they're good. They're good questions. And we know they're good questions because we have them. And I don't ask stupid questions. I don't ask unnecessary questions. I need to know what I think I need to know because I think I need it. (laughs) Right? I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about you. We can get lost. We can get lost. And and something that's just absolutely uh, screwing me up recently is like, this is an example. Like, I need God to even teach me what questions to ask. That's how much I don't know. It's not like, oh, I don't know the answer to that question, so I should ask God. It's like, I need to ask God if I should even ask that question. 
Not because he's like controlling and weird, but because he's smart. And I'm just not that smart. Like he just knows better. Guess that what hap- that's what happens when you know everything. So we can get a little just lost, a little distracted by the unknowns. The unknowns in our peripheral questions that, that we would like answers to. And Jesus often leads us into freedom. The freedom of simply having faith in the essentials that he has clearly revealed to us. There is a freedom in God in receiving by faith that God has made clear everything that he deems needed to be clear. So if he hasn't made it crystal clear, even though I'd like it to be, maybe he doesn't think it needs to be. Doesn't mean I can't ask the question. Doesn't mean I can't dig in. Doesn't mean I can't seek the Lord. But it does mean I don't need to get lost. So what do we know? What do we know about being filled by the Holy Spirit? We know that he says he came to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. We know he says we can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We know he says we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That much we know. And he says in Luke 11, Jesus says, I tell you, what do we know? But all the questions I listed off, all the questions we ask, here's what we do know. Jesus says, I tell you, we could put in parentheses, I tell you what you need to know. I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone, are you included in everyone? For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What's the right question? Will you come, Holy Spirit? That's the right question to ask in all things pertaining to the filling of the Holy Spirit. What's the answer that we need in the midst of all of our questions and all denominational confusions in this stream of church and that sermon in this book? The answer is, Lord Jesus, would you baptize us in the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, Will you come? That's always the right question to ask. Will you come, Holy Spirit? Now, if you come and you ask me all those questions I listed off earlier, or if I could summarize them, if you come and you ask me, Pastor, am I filled enough with the Holy Spirit? I had this experience or I didn't. I've heard this or I haven't. Pastor, am I filled enough with the Holy Spirit? My answer will be, I don't know. Are you? Are you? Are you satisfied with how much you witness Jesus? Are you satisfied with how much you are a witness to Jesus? Do you do what the Holy Spirit is doing? Do you hear what the Holy Spirit is saying? Do you want what the Holy Spirit wants? Do you say what the Holy Spirit says? 
Is your mind set on the spirit or on the flesh? Are you bound by sin or are you walking as a son adopted by the father? These are not questions that you need to ask me as your pastor. These are questions that you need to answer before God. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit enough? Isn't that the question that he has for us? Isn't that the question that we need to answer? Do you have enough of the Holy Spirit? I cannot answer that for you. But I don't. I don't have enough of the Holy Spirit. I can only answer that for me. I don't know about you, but I need more. I don't know about you, but I want more. Because all I know is there is more. That's what I do know. There is more. And it's not because God is holding out on me. It's because honestly, I'm holding back from God. It's just true. It's just true. We were praying as pastors this morning. And just God was with us and that was nice. Then we had to go to our next prayer meeting, so we had to step out of that room. And everyone else who was waiting for us, they're like, what have you guys been doing? Because <laughs> we were kind of like, whoa. And all that came out was, I just, it was like, we just saw enough of God to know that he's everything I want and also know that I'm absolutely terrified of getting him. Because if I actually ask him for all that he wants to give me, it's going to ruin my life. I just know it. He's everything I want. And in some ways, I'm terrified of receiving him. I want more. And sometimes I don't. I want more in every way, except for some. But if I will ask, I will receive if I seek more, I will find. If I knock on his door, it will be open to me. Because that's what he does. He told, that much I know, he told me that was true. He promised that that would happen. So all my questions I have for him he really puts back to me. And if that's true for me, I would venture to say it might just be true for all of us. He seems to have made clear everything he deemed as what we needed to be crystal clear. We don't need to understand more. We don't need our peripheral questions answered. We need to ask the right question. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Would you come, Holy Spirit, and fill, fill, fill us, fill us. Would you stand as we wrap up our time this morning? I don't know what the point of my sermon is, and I don't know what you need exactly this morning, but I think God's inviting us to pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill us.
So we might all be in here thinking we need something else from our time in church. But God says that's what we need. We need to learn that prayer. Come Holy Spirit, fill us. Our prayer team is gonna be up here if you need anything in your life, if you need prayer, if you need miracle, or whatever you need, you can come and get prayer that you need. We're gonna worship and turn our hearts to the Lord this morning. I'm just praying that God would solidify that prayer into our hearts. I'm praying for me that he'd help me get over all the things I'm compromising in and the ways I don't want more. I want a little bit more, but do I want all of it? Like, oh, God, help me. So, Lord, that's what we pray. Help us. I don't know what else to do but boast in our weaknesses, Lord. We are too weak to even want you all the way. You are strong to save. You are strong to raise from the dead. You are strong to ascend. You are strong to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. You are strong to give us power, and we are weak to ask. Would you come and be made perfect in our weaknesses, Lord? Would your power come on us this morning in our weaknesses? Give us the power, Lord. Give us the strength. Give us the faith. Give us the hunger. Give us the humility. Give us the fear. Give us the joy. Give us the need. Give us the prayer to pray. Lord, would you come and fill us? Come and fill us, Holy Spirit. Come in Jesus' name.